You just heard Demons from In Solitude from the album The World, The Flesh, The Devil from 2011. This is the 2010's The Good. This is the Requiem Metal Podcast, and this is the Patreon... February, March. February, March special edition. Yeah. Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. I'm sure you all knew that, because you're patrons. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we've got a certain thing we've It's always funny. Like, yeah, it's like awkward, because, like, I guess this is going to, like, the elite, like, 30, 35 uh, patrons, you know, whatever, that are, well, down the road, people can access this, even if they're, you know, old episodes and stuff, so hopefully more than that, but... Yeah, it's like we have a formula. We just got to yeah, hit it. Yeah, we've been doing it since, I don't know, the third or fourth episode the same way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have not gone back and listened to the first couple episodes because I'm, I'm a little worried about like how painful some of that stuff might, might sound. I mean, I think some of the stuff we were talking about was probably pretty decent, although I think our opinions have evolved a lot. But just in terms of like... It was almost 10 years ago, so... Well, it was more. This was it? What was the first one? 2008. Was it? Yeah, it was 2008. So, hey. Hey, you get out of here. That's our, yeah, we got a cat in the background. Hey, it's a patron episode. There you go. <laughs> there you go. We were debating earlier, like, the cat was quietly sitting, uh, doing absolutely nothing, and I was like, ah, oh, well, I guess we'll leave it alone. No, no, and she wants sure attention. shit, we hit record, and here we go. But, um, yeah, so it's it's been a little while. Um, you know, life, I guess. Uh, you had kind life of... Life travel. Uh, yeah, the holidays are kind of always rough on us because now that you're married, you've got a lot of masters to serve and I've got divorced parents and I'm, you know, <laughs> up north when you're down here and vice versa. We've all got and, three or four different sides we need to see and yeah. Yeah, and then well, and, you know, illness has been kind of rough. Like we've been kind of like yeah. you know, stuff with family things and then just like our own, like when we're feeling Oh yeah, good. my mom and dad both had heart attacks. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we're they're both we, fine. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good. But news. it's like you know, I'm 45. My parents are in their 70s, and it's, you know, my dad is the picture of health. Yeah. And the doctor was like, you know, sometimes this is all you could. This you made it as best as you could, but sometimes it just happens. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, he's yeah, like he, he caught it right in the perfect. Um, we even got like a picture of it. Um, like I don't his know. Heart. Well, the, a picture of the blockage. Oh, okay. and one of theirs, they put two stints in. One was ninety eight percent, one was ninety percent blocked, and they show the before and after, and it's like you know night and day. Gotcha. But he was you know next day he's he's fine. Yeah, and I'm with my parents. I he and I were chatting about this like texting the other day, but I'm like at the point where you know my mom's in really good health too, but she's she's a little younger than Mark's mom. Um, Probably like by ten years, I think. Is she? Uh, you held your mom seventy three. Yeah, my mom is, yeah, my mom is like 62, 63, yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, and then my stepdad and my dad, you know, and my stepdad's in really good shape. He still does like a lot of active stuff and hunts and like hikes and things like that. But my dad, the old Pistol Pete, you know, smoking <laughs> lots and lots of cigarettes and just, just you know, living life like a race car truck driver that he is. Like, I just expect the, sadly, a phone call. Anything over 40 with smoking is like... Is what I hear is like, man, you're he, rolling the dice, or and like, he's probably been going pretty strong since like 14. Like he's one of those, you know. What I mean, like every based day, on the stories he told me about, like yeah. stealing beers, and you know, he was a fucking rebel. Cause my, my grandpa made it to his 87 smoking every smoking. day. Yeah, but it's like I, I quit, you know, six years ago. Yeah. I haven't gone back, and it's probably the worst, the dumbest thing I've ever done. Was quitting? Smoking. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, not say, quit, yeah. no, quitting's been yeah. great. As you say. Yeah, for all kinds been, of reasons. You've been, but. like, in good health since then, which is good, you know, yeah. like, lifting weights and being more active and stuff. Dr- yeah, I drink a lot, but I also, you gotta, 
You got to kind of you know work balance hard, stuff. play hard. Yeah, because yeah, like my dad didn't eat red meat for forty years. Wow. Like he'd have like a bite of cake on his birthday. Really? Yeah. Like, Why were the red meat? That's kind of an odd choice. Like it's, now it's not, but like forty years ago, that seems like a pretty like kind of odd progressive thing. Just it was a uh, it was a health thing because he would read. He'd like he was reading. He was an obsessive biker, like oh, uh, bicycle yeah. rider. Yeah. He would ride 18 miles a day. Then he would uh, an obsessive jogger, an obsessive golfer. So he's like the antithesis of me. So whatever he gets into, he just like. He goes whole. Like he fucked up his back. Yeah. Like he can't ever get out of it again from golfing too much. Gotcha. We live right across the street from a golf yeah. course. And yeah, he would go like twice, sometimes three times a day. I can kind of relate to your dad because I think like I don't like whatever I get into. I just like fucking go. I, I, like, I do too, but it's usually not physical stuff. Yeah, that's true. Like if it's if it's like weight training, that's fine, but that's not that's like designed to be done correctly. Mm-hmm. But so you, I mean, you can overdo it, but I it's hard to overdo. Well, I'll sure. drink beers and lift weights like a nineteen eighties <laughs> stepbrother or something, yeah, yeah, you know. So yeah. <laughs> no, it's been uh, it's you know it's been a little bit kind of rocky on my end too. Um, um, the last week has been really fascinating. Where I teach, and I'm gonna kind of be as anonymous as possible but um we have had some really interesting things in the you know aftermath of 2016 certainly uh, i teach in a small town and there's there's sometimes some small town mentality but like as a school system like we've always been really fairly progressive uh within the school and like our test scores are like the highest in the county so we kind of like transcend the community of like what the expectations are mm-hmm. and um you know, this last week, there's been this parent that has been kind of like starting like kind of a lion's, like a kind of a, like a witch hunt type thing that's been going on on social media um, and went after myself and a friend of ours, um, a guy named Mike, um, who I travel with quite a bit, who's married to another friend of us who's an artist friend of Mark's and, and things like that. And he's in charge of the GSA, which is like the gay straight Alliance that we basically just host in the school. Cause the students approached us a few years ago about mm-hmm. wanting to have like kind of a safe place. So a lot of the teachers, most of the teachers I would say have like a rainbow flag up in their room somewhere just as, why wouldn't you this, as a symbol you know, just yeah. to say, Hey, like we're, you know, supportive of like human rights and you yeah. know, like we're not pushing it. It's just there hanging kind mm-hmm. of thing. And we have a contingent of Confederate flag, kind of Trumpsy, hillbilly kind of thing. That's always sort of been there, but I think it got really emboldened in 2016. But um, Well, because it got kind of pushed on previously. Yeah, and I think like there was a certain, I think, decorum that we expect with a lot of our politicians, especially the president. No matter like how I've felt in the past, good or bad, about presidents, you sort of expect certain things. And I, again, yeah. I'm not trying to get too political here, but I'm just telling you like what I've been dealing with recently. It's kind of been odd. But... Uh, yeah, this guy kind of went on a witch hunt uh, against both of us online. A bunch of the community parents got involved, and because of the about five support of gay kids. Yeah, there was kind of an incident where uh, a kid was being really insensitive about it in English class and complaining about why do they get flags and we can't have Confederate flags and blah blah blah. And the teacher, the English teacher, <clears throat> kicked this kid out because she just didn't want to deal with it because he was like yeah. just starting shit to start shit and he was getting all the other kids in the class riled up and angry so his mom came in to meet with our principal and said you guys are pushing a socialist liberal agenda and shoving gay stuff a gay agenda in our face and feminist agenda and so then all these community people came out of the woodwork there was this facebook post that kind of like like crucified me and uh, a friend of ours um 
I got dragged into it and I had nothing to do with any of this, but just, I'm just an easy target because I teach world history and global awareness. I teach all the like classes about current events and we get into shit and I teach kids to critically think and, you know, like yeah. I'm teach them to be humanitarians. And, Aren't like, these all AP classes too? Well, the AP world is, but the other ones are electives. And so you okay. get a, a, a mix or whatever. And I, I've, I've definitely been in like the trenches and been challenged before and had some parent meetings, but I can always defend what I'm doing. And, and um, I had a parent come at me last week online and I just kind of killed him with kindness and sort of backed out of that conversation, you know, but uh, over 500 posts in like two days oh happened on there and it was like former students getting involved and defending us and current students defending us and then some current students were like posting pictures of them wearing confederate flags and saying like burn all the gay people like real hate speech type Jesus. stuff like really bad and now the parents are some of the parents of these kids are gonna supposedly storm our school board meeting next time so we're trying to rally parents to sort of I'm not gonna go cause that's just gonna be a mess but like our yeah. union president's going to be there. And like some people have said, we should, we contact the news and embarrass these people. Yes. And like, it's just been a, it's, it's been like, let's just put it this way. The last couple of days have been a, a shit storm. And uh, I'm happy that we're recording this on a Friday and I have kind of a couple of days it's, off to. Yeah. It's, it's incredible that people can correlate gay rights to the Confederacy. Yeah. Like, succeeding the United States. Yeah. Oh, man. And, you know, you, and I don't want to, again, I know it's a patron show, so we're a little bit loose with stuff, but I, you know, I'm not here to kind of get on a soapbox, but it's just been a, it's been very frustrating. But um, the good news is, is I, I you know, I, a lot of kids came up to me and I've been fine with it. Like, I didn't want to read the post, but keep people in the, you know, people were like sending them to me and being like, are you aware that you and this other guy are getting cruise And a lot of other teachers were getting name yeah. dropped, but we were the big targets because we, being a humanities teacher, English and history, you put a pretty big target on yourself well, because you're, you kind of have to teach kids how to be like empathetic and how to be human. And when know. I, when I was in high school in the nineties, that would have been called faggot shit. Yeah. Yeah, not, exactly. not to be insensitive, no, but no, that's but that's like it's where we've come. We've grown so much. Drama, you know? art, all that was gay stuff. Yeah, for sure. Anything that was like worthwhile mm -hmm. <laughs> that they talk about in, on Star Trek, yeah, the humanities, is like a, and stuff yeah, like that. The yeah, stuff that the really stuff matters that makes it in what the, we're doing, yeah. talking about music and exactly know, caring stuff about that like takes you away from your everyday life. Yep. And so I had a lot of kids come up to me and apologize and be like, I'm really sorry what's going on. And like kids in tears and stuff. And I just probably said, embarrassed to their parents. I just said, you know what? Oh, like, I said, guys, this says a lot more about them than it does about me. I don't have a problem. I'm mm -hmm. fine. I didn't do anything wrong. If I did something wrong, I'd be nervous. I don't, this is like, you know, people that hate or people that are bigots, like it's their problem. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, the fact that like somebody who's living their life that walks past you, like invokes, like like some kind of racist or it's like a tree or, or a shame thing that like, well, yeah, I can't like, live exactly how I want to live. So why do they get to? Yeah. But, but like but their again, versions, not being hateful. It's just living who they actually are. Absolutely. So it's, it's just been uh it's been very nerve wracking. I'm happy to be here talking about metal. <laughs> uh, and so that's kind of what's been going on with me other than just the usual, like I'm involved in way too much kind of stuff, but uh, well, you're, slowly getting out of that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm not coaching track yeah. and so we'll have hopefully a lot more time to 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 do some of these in the spring and, and stuff like that. But uh yeah we started with um with with uh in solitude tune there which is a band I I'm sure we talked about this album back in twenty eleven because uh, that's we've I never think, done a show have we? No we didn't uh we have not I'm kinda um, surprised we But that was like hiatus era yeah, too so. yeah twenty twenty thirteen I think is kind of when we were sort of like hiatus uh, from like 2013 to like 2016 or so. Like yeah. it was kind of hit or miss for a little while, kind of in that period. 
But uh, I know we definitely talked about this on our best of 2011 show. I'm mm-hmm. sure this like showed up there, but that was probably the last time we really talked about in solitude other than like our trip to con show with Joe Schaefer, where we brought yeah. them up a lot and stuff. And, um, I told Mark, we the always tribulation show. What'd I say? Trip to con. Wow. Card before the horse. Whoops. Sorry. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Spoiler alert. We might be talking about trip to con. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was funny because I mixed that up before. Yeah. I, we were talking about Trypticon. I was saying Tribulation. So, yeah, that's where my brain's at right now. So, if I'm a little scrambled, it's probably because I've just got assaulted on social media for three days. <laughs> um, but uh, I said, hey, you know, you know, it's 2020 and there's a lot of conversations going on about, like, best of decade records. You know, uh, Mark and I both picked up the, the decibel best of. And I've heard of some other lists, some of which are really absurd, like Loudwires and Revolt. Those are just garbage. Yeah, I looked lists. at those, too. They're just, you know, there's like one or two out of ten that are like. Like the discussion, but the, yeah, like Deftones Diamond Eyes is, is a good record. Great record. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Great record. Uh, I think they might have mentioned Carcass on there. One or two of them might have. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Honestly, it's stuff I've never even heard of before. Yeah, or just like such mainstream stuff that like it's just way off Mark and I's like radar. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't mean it's bad. It just, it's, it's just not I'm our interest. Yeah. In there's that. other people covering that better than we could. I was going to say, we don't do Requiem to do that. We don't do stuff. Five Finger Death Punch yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah. Lamb of God or any of that stuff. Um, but. I said, well, what if we like kind of, you know, let's, it it would be a pain in the ass if we put together like our own like top 10, top 20 list. So we could do it, you know, maybe we we will down the road if we run some other patron ideas or whatever. (laughs) But I just said like, let's, you know, pick like three, three or four records that you think have held up pretty well in the last decade, like that you can pull out now that like you still get like a lot of joy and, um, you know, just have a good resonance to them. And um, it was funny because both of us sort of picked in solitude. Um, yeah. And we kind of picked different records, I, even though we both like both these records that came out in the 2010s. Um, I think all three of them came out in the 20s, didn't they? I don't know if that or other was one 20, was 20, 2010 or 20, 2009. I'd have to look it that up. It might have been 2009. But um, probably real close, you know, the debut. So, yeah, World is the second record. And then uh, Sister is the third record. But. So we'll we'll kind of get into that in a, in a second, but I did want to acknowledge since this is a patron show, um, this would be probably the first brand new recorded show that uh, two of our new patrons, Ivan Lee and Jeffrey Paris, uh, are listening to. So thank you, uh, new patrons. And I, I figured since it's a patron show and it's loose, um, Jeff Paris sent us a message, which is pretty cool. When he signed up to be a patron, he said, Hey, Mark and Jason, I just recently discovered you had resumed the podcast back in 2015. Um, so yeah, he was probably it's been that many years since we resumed. I guess, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was probably in that lost years where he kind of drifted off. Um, He said after the hiatus, so glad to be catching up and loving your creativity in the proto-metal years leading up to episode 200. So, he's still a few behind, which is fine. You're consistently intelligent and thoughtful and a very pleasing contrast to any of the other metal podcasts I found. Lots to share with you about my own metal history, occasional extreme metal radio show on KUSF. Uh, and thoughts about all the bands you've covered. He just, this is kind of funny, he said, but one funny mention, since you like to say, quote, you don't know how to like Manowar. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot not to like, but just try listening to Battle Hymns and tell me if anyone was going, uh, was doing just that in 1982, and then listen to Eric Adams sing on Into Glory Ride. Your call in the end, because most of the rest of their careers dribble or derivative with a couple small exceptions, but those two albums are keepers. Uh, anyways, you've taught me a lot over the years, and I'm glad to be able to support you a bit best, Jeff. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm. You know, I, I just told Jason earlier that I finally bought P cells. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this last week. So, because you were I, always I'm, just a rust and peace guy for the yeah, most part. Yeah, yeah like, but because that's the only one that was consistently great. Mm-hmm. The other ones, they were they were just too weird and hit and miss for me. But going back, I was like, you know, I'd rather 
fill in these holes than buy something new that yeah. I probably won't listen to in a year. Well, I think last time I was at your house, I made you listen to a song from Peace Cells, but I think you were like in the bathroom for part of it. It was like the, it wasn't the Conjuring, it was like Black Friday or there's something. I was like, dude, you got to listen to this song. Yeah, and like so, that's, that's something. I'm it just trying to accept it. I'm just trying to plant you know, seeds and accept it. So I'll get everything. Bit. I'll have, <laughs> you know, from the first record to, what's the first record? Uh, uh, How Killing is My Business. Kills, okay, yeah. Business is Good. Up until Rust in Peace, mm-hmm. I'll just do that. I don't need anything else. Yeah. I like finite things to. Yeah, that's a, you know. You know. But so, but I, I I do appreciate Man of War more now than sure. I did. Well, and it's funny because he mentions that, and I don't know if he's even listened to episode 200 because Wagner talks about yeah. that debut. And, and I think I think I was pretty overtly like pro Man of War on that. Like I liked yeah. their first four or five records. Those yeah. are the ones I, I've told Mark that I think he would dig because it's like, it's a, it's more in the like the Sirithungol uh, Manila Road. It's like doomy power metal. It's not like yeah. just like cheesy like overtly homoerotic. Uh, Speaking of, uh oh, the new Sirithungol record. Yeah, is it good? It's great. Is it okay? It's, it's, you, it, you were talking a lot about that live record that they. The did. live record's great, but the new record, I got it. I didn't hear anything about it, and I got the promo, mm-hmm. and I listened to. it. I was like, this is as good as anything they've ever done. That's awesome. I'll pick it up. I, yeah, it's uh, it's great. I was really glad to hear that. Yeah, I cool. did them for the lead uh, review this month in Decimal oh, too. Sneak Just preview, very nice. Sneak preview. Yeah, that's not out yet. Right? No, it should be so out our, this, this week or next. So week. our patrons might hear this yep. first. Yeah, there you go. So. Um, but yeah, so we just we each kind of picked out uh, really you know three bands or three records. Although we're, we're double dipping within Solitude because we needed something to kind of start the whole show off. I'm um, glad that we were on the same page. Like that's been a band that they've like they're no longer in existence as well. Yeah, and that's one of those casualties from the 2000s, the 2010s, the 2010 aught, the, yeah, whatever the fuck you want to call it, the 2010s. Where I was like, that's that's the band that broke up that really kind of sucks they kind of hurt the most i think yeah yeah like because they were what just the potential could have been yeah. and yeah and um you know it's the the stuff that sort of jumps out to me about like this record and i'm sure we'll shift over to sh- you know sister in a moment but when i first got a hold of this i don't know if i had heard the debut i might have had it and it was like one of those things like i just didn't listen to as much i think and, this record was on metal blade yeah, I mean, this was definitely more mainstream coverage yeah. um, than that. And first then uh, one. Sean Pelletier, he st- I worked with him at Relapse in the nineties. Yeah, he Pellet- was he managed yep. the band. Yep, and I think we ran into him at one of the uh, Maryland Death Fests, and he yep. was kind of like, it, we went there. Ex- I think this had already come out because yeah. I was excited to see in Solitude live yeah. then and stuff. But they've also they did extensive touring around the states, like to not a ton of acclaim. I've probably seen him almost a dozen times. I think. Have you really? Yeah. I only saw them like once or twice. They played Detroit a lot. Every year, they maybe twice a year, they'd come through and play. And that must have been, that was probably in that period where we weren't recording as much. And so I probably wasn't yeah. going down to Detroit as much. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, it's a bummer. Because I, I would have loved to have seen them more. And I know some of the members are involved in other bands and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not really familiar what those are. But I've heard like one or two <clears throat> of the things. Um, one of them's involved in like almost like a Swedish like rock band, kind of like November type kind of stuff. Yeah, it wasn't Chris telling us about yeah, that. Yeah, I have it upstairs. It's all in Swedish and okay. um it's good. I just don't pull it out. It's kind of like a mix between November and the helicopters. Okay. Like a traditional rock record, you know. Yeah, there was some another thing that I think you or Chris was were talking about and a, a friend of mine um uh Alan was telling me about like, hey have you heard this? And then I put it on again. I was like, oh yeah. It's uh what the fuck is this called? Hollis? 
Oh, Hollis is great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's I great. Re- I said it sounded like Wishbone Ash and Genesis. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's got like a, you know, obviously prog, like some prog leanings for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that stuff's good. Is one of the guys from In Solitude involved with that? Or no, just, but it was just, just proggy Swedish thinking stuff. Thinking about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, you know, when I got a hold of this, this was like an anthemic record. You know, songs like Demons and then the opening cut, um, To the Darkness. There was just a lot of stuff on here that... Uh, like I would drive around in my car and it just made me happy. You know, like you said, it was well, a triumphant gallop. Yeah. You know, it's got the gallop of new album with like, like some, um, some definitely some candle massy, not just name some only, but fate stuff. Yeah. too. You know, just like a, like a cult rock stuff from the seventies and eighties kind yeah, of thrown in there. Yep. And they're and all I, young kids too. Well, and I think what was interesting is like another record we could have talked about the, um, but I think we've already talked about this band a lot when this record came out, but you know, that, that debut from ghost, I think mm-hmm. did a lot, you know, I think that came out the year before in 2010. And I still remember because Mark was living here. You know, I'm sure those of you who are longtime listeners remember the story. But I, I was upstairs. You, yeah. <laughs> I had just I had found some like FTP site that had like all this like weird obscure metal at a time where like that wasn't as common because it was 2010. Like I was finding like um, you know like Griffin and Tokyo Blade and just like stuff that's like you know mid 80s like stuff Fenres like would yeah. like talk about like you know third tier rock bands yeah, nobody ever like heard kind of. of some of that stuff and Ghost was on one of those sites or somehow like through clicking I got to like you know people talking to you know really upping Ghost and yeah I was just rocking that out upstairs and Mark heard me playing it over and over again finally yeah. came up was like what the fuck are you listening to you know and then it just well then it, we saw their first show yeah first US show at the Maryland Death Fest the last I don't know if that was the last one they played at uh, the Sonar Ballroom. Oh, yeah. But that was a fucking great, incredible show. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what Ghost sort of kind of started to open up was this kind of Blue Oyster Cult, Merciful Fate, kind of a cult rock, kind of but catchy and hooky. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think In Solitude and, and some of those kind of bands really took took some of well, that think, momentum. Yeah, like I think uh, Tobias Forge is probably your age. Oh, he's probably he? 40, 41, okay. like that era. Yeah. Um, but ever, all these other guys are a little bit younger, but they're all rediscovering that shit at the same time, yeah. which is which is an interesting thing. Like, And that was sort of a time, too, where I think we were starting to go back and really like yeah. re- exploring a lot more of the older Deep Judas Purple Priest and, and Uri Heap and all that and stuff. Some of that. Yeah. So in Blue Oyster Cult, obviously, you throw them in there. It was one of those, per- like that and like... Uh, Catatonia last for a deal gone down, like getting us into indie rocks. Yeah, that yeah. was like that was a perfect. It's nice to follow these, but like when you're on the same trajectory as mm-hmm. as the bands, you know. That well, Opeth did that, I think, with Chris. That that yes. really opened Chris up to a lot of the prog stuff, which he the super he, obscure, yeah, stuff, which he yeah. got me into, and I think you got into a like a tiny bit of it, but not mm-hmm. as much because I think that was also you know like Camel and you know stuff yeah, like that sure. and um, Focus and yep November November That's where, yeah you know found all those kind of bands, but yeah, so I think in Solitude was was like a good kind of piece of that and even when i go back and that's the kind of purpose of this you know kind of patron show is like like i still get the same like kind of cool feelings when i listen to songs like demons where i'm just like i'm just happy and excited to like yeah hear it kind of play out and stuff like that and it's so triumphant and anthemic and then like it's such a weird like i you know i guess i'll pass the mic to you to sort of set up sister because you know, I think we both had a similar reaction coming out of like this sort of triumphant sing along kind of songs, and then all yeah. of a sudden, this new in solitude record comes out, and it's the production of it's weird. I, th- I actually saw them play some of the songs live before I got the record, and then the record sounds 
like a almost like a 4AD yeah. record from like the late 80s, early 90s, mixed with a little bit of Danzig, um, mixed with almost like like 50s pop music or like like something that um something like Everly Brothers and um, yeah like that like lots of like like reverb and echo and chorus on stuff and there's no distortion like the, the to same speak kind of. of reverb of like early like Metal Blade records like that kind of like the early Slayer kind of reverb I'm thinking more stuff, like or? um oh what the fuck's the guy that went to jail that was a great producer oh With Phil Spector Phil Spector stuff oh Wall of Sound stuff then he, like yeah, a little bit of that bouncing. but like but yep. compressed yeah like garage well he was a big like mono and, guy you yeah know? so like he was doing everything filtering into like one kind of monolithic sort of sound like you know? that it, a lot it, there's like a lot of history when I hear that now mm-hmm. like, at first I was like did the mastering get fucked up on this record but yeah it does sound like an old record in some it ways does. Yeah. it does and then just all the like the weird like the gothisms. um it doesn't really like when I listen to it now. It doesn't sound like it can't came from a specific era, mm-hmm. which is I think a, for me is a good kind of um, yeah, like, like it a great record. Sound like a twenty thirteen record. No, it sounds like it could have come out in like eighty seven or eighty nine or like seventy. Like it could have been wherever. Whereas, like to me, and they're not really a band we're going to talk too much about in this episode, but like a band like like Paul Bear sounds exactly like what I think of when I think of the twenty tens. Yes. You know, like yeah. they're defining kind of like a lot of copycat bands of that sort of sound, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like Sister, it's kind of timeless sound. Yeah. Like I would throw that in like the first two Danzig records, like in the same. You could, if you, if like an alien came and listened to the Danzig one and two and then listened to this, yeah, it could have been in the same year almost, you know, like the production wise. That's and, true. Because yeah, by the time Danzig gets to three and four, they're doing like more, um, uh, more, uh, three is real hard rock. Yeah. It's like a big, it's almost like a Bob rock sound to it. It's a sure. huge it's crunchy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the first two are especially like the Lucifuge is like, it's like kinda, a dirty blues record. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like yep. not a whole lot of distortion. Um, yeah. and that's like this, this and like Morbus Cron. That was like a thing with Sveven, in this era. Was it Sveven? I think is the name of that record. Yeah. Sweet, Where Sweden. like you, you took the distortion out of death metal, but it was still eerie and weird. Yeah. And not that this is death metal, but like, I love that idea of taking, like you can still, it doesn't matter what you have. You can still do extreme metal. You don't have to have a HM2 pedal. Yeah. You can still do it no matter what you've got. Well, and it was also kind of like an era where there was a, like that black breath entrails, like that kind of comeback of the HM2 kind of yeah. sound. And so, you know, and a lot of that stuff I liked, but it was kind of maybe a little oversaturated. Sure. You know, the way that kind of um, today, this sort of like return of death metal. Return of 90s death metal? 90s death metal kind of thing. You yeah. Know, like where there's like limits to it, obviously, or like, sure. you know. Um, so it was kind of, ref- I think it was surprising because I think I wanted the world part two. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's what's so refreshing about this record, you know. I think it's always more satisfying to get not what you expect. Yeah, like to but like to get something where you're like, oh, that's not what I want. But then you're like, I think this is better. Yeah, but I think it's, it's a lot of times it's not that. <laughs> sure, I think. Well, I think you know, there's some defining acts both in metal and outside of metal that were kind of known for that. You know, I think Radiohead kind of staked their reputation on sort of always oh, of throwing you a curveball and. Yeah. Even Catatonia sometimes or Anathema, you know, we, we almost didn't know what you were going to get with some of those records yeah. from like the mid nineties on. And um, but you were on for the ride, like you're, yeah, you were just kind yeah. of like up for it because you you know Paradise Lost. There's another yeah. band that was, yeah. you know 
throwing curveballs left and right. A lot of you know? my like in my top five bands, which you know changes regularly, but usually always Bolt Thrower and Paradise Lost are in there. Bolt Thrower is like the the stalwart, like the north the North Pole of yeah, yeah. like always being basically the, the same. Of, yeah, of that you know extreme slightly metal. progressing, yeah. but Paradise Lost is like you know fucking flip a coin no like where are they going to be at sure yeah and i've heard like stuff for the new record that like there's a lot of 80s goth oh cool. and so i was like cool like i'm yeah. i'm down for whatever you guys want to do i was gonna say like i trust them at this point yeah. you know like why not yeah kind of thing um but yeah i uh so you picked out um lavender to play why why this tune in particular what jumps out to you about this this reminds me so much of tribulation the world below hmm like these guys were doing it how many years before 2013 so when did world blow come uh, 2018 2018 so this is you know five years ish before it's like i that's why i I tried to out of my selection i tried to pick stuff that was either like prophetic of what was going to come or like it's good looking back um or trying to think of like in 10 years is anybody going to remember this shit and anytime i talk about um in solitude on social media people are always like oh fuck me i mean that band was great like it always it keeps coming back but they were just a little ahead of the curve and like stuff like idle hands is doing the same type of like you know taking traditional metal and mixing it with goth music and just like not it's not this like you know puritanical extreme metal shit like you can still do the like tribulation at this point the only thing death metal about it is the vocals Mm -hmm. otherwise it's like the Cure, Sisters of Mercy, uh, any 4AD band you want to name, like a bunch of shit thrown yeah, in there. Yeah, like, like some Tiamat and Yeah, there's still like metal stuff, metal stuff thrown about. in there, but it's like just purely musically, there's not a ton of metal left in it. Yeah. But it's still in, it, like immensely satisfying. Yeah. And I think that, that uh, In Solitude was kind of the, the torchbearer before, and unfortunately they didn't reap any of the rewards. Like they should have been opening for King Diamond on tours and, you know, elevated to the next level sure but unfortunately they didn't make it there i mean do you think they would have continued with this or do you think they would have made like a big it's i mean it's a lot of speculation or do you think they would have evolved like with another big step like they did off the world because you have three completely not different records but really distinctly unique records from it's an interest like the first record's pretty it's almost like post new album Mm -hmm. um and then yeah, the, the their Metal Blade debut, um, The World, The Flesh, The Devil is like kind of its own thing. Yeah. But it still has those inklings of like the gallop, the like Steve Harris bass lines, the, those like very uh, new album riffs. And then Sister is just like, it kind of turns like a right angle a little bit more than those first two records. But sure. it still retains, you know... Vocally, it's pretty different too, but it still has the character, I think. Sure. You can find some of it. Yeah. I, I think there's like, you can find the elements of the world like kind of trapped in some of these songs, but yeah. like you said through the production and some other things are kind of happening here. So it seems almost like more of a sister seems like a second record instead of a third record. Mm-hmm. Usually the second record, you do something like completely different. Sure. Yeah. Like if you like Danzig was this great pr- produced thing and then Lucifuge is like, the stripped down blues record. A looser. Yeah. 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 I, That's yeah. where you take your risks. And the third record is like your big record, but sure. they kind of, yeah. the modern era can do different things. I yeah. Guess. No, no doubt. No doubt. So, all right, well let's, uh, let's get into it. We got a pair of tunes uh, up here. 
Um, we're going to kick off, you know, kick off a lavender from in solitude. Like I mentioned, it's from 2013, the sister record. And then we're going to go into one of my picks that we'll talk about when we kind of come back. Um, it's a tune called Ozymandias, uh, from horrendous. I'm sure a lot of you know them. And, uh, one of their very successful records in the two thousands, uh, 2010s, I mean, Anaretta uh, from 2015. So enjoy lavender and Ozymandias.
That was Ozymandias from Horrendous and Lavender from In Solitude. And so, yeah, so now we get to kind of one of my definitive picks. You know, we kind of, uh, oh, we use In Solitude as like kind of a beginning, the, the, the demon song is just kind of a mutual kind of thing. And then uh, Horrendous had three really strong records in this era, which mm-hmm. is pretty rare. I mean, we just talked about a band that had two strong records in the 2010s. You know, yeah. some bands only had one, you know, so... To have three is is pretty incredible. Well, and the chills isn't bad. I just don't pull that one out that much. It's that's good. It's just a little more raw. But that, yeah, that's yeah. twenty twelve. That's so. almost like a demo, not a demo, but just like an EP kind of thing. The sweet blasphemies was the demo. That oh, was okay. Two thousand nine, but the chills is. I think they're incredibly young. Yeah. At that point. Well, it kind of reminds me of like uh, when we talked about tribulation, like the horror. Yeah, like, it doesn't. It's cool. It's not as reflective of the rest of their career sure. as everything else. Yeah. And then you had uh, what was the record before Anaretta? Um, oh, uh, it's like Euclidus or Euclidus, Euclidus, yeah, which is like in the state of becoming something new. Or I I, I, I read it. It's like some kind of transformative kind of thing or shedding skin. Very apt. Yeah. <laughs> so you know the band out of Virginia and Philly, uh, they are on Dark Descent Records, which has been one of the better labels the last ten years, I would say. Uh, yeah, they've they've been pulling out a lot of like uh, like. Crip Sermon, mm-hmm. uh, Blood Incantation. I mean, there's a bunch I of I mean, shit. just to have Blood Incantation and Horrendous like, yeah. as kind of like getting them, those two bands started, regardless of where they end up. Like, that's yeah. a pretty good, you know. Um, you know, I always think, I, you know, Horrendous is one of those bands where when we were recording the Tribulation show with Joe Schaefer, we kind of talked about some of this. And, and for me, when I think of like the 2010s, like being like, what are like the the bands that stood out the most to that were kind of new that didn't exist prior to, you mm-hmm. know, or like didn't even have members like, like, you know, I kind of already gave it away a little bit, but we're obviously going to be mentioning like Trypticon, even though they were kind of new in the 2010s, like it's still like a, it's a legacy band. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Celtic frost related and stuff. <clears throat> but I think of like horrendous and in solitude and tribulation and blood incantation, like, even though those bands don't all sound the same, to me they're like belong to this kind of like pool of like really creative, innovative approaches to genres that had been tried and true for for mm-hmm. multiple decades, and can sometimes get, um, you know, it's sometimes hard. I think for people maybe you know, Mark and I's age to like kind of kind of get down back into the well and find like inspiration to give a shit about like the next latest greatest kind of like yeah. black metal death metal things that are kind of people that are like 10 years younger than us are like or more at this point yeah yeah but i you know <laughs> exactly i mean some are 20 years younger than me at this point and they're and i get that excitement because i when i was their age i was just excited about like new shit yeah you know what i mean yeah um but yep. I think those are four bands that, like, I kind of will, like, stick through through thick and thin almost, you know. When the cool thing is a lot of it is, well, it, they they show a reverence to the past of the stuff that, you know, when I first started listening to this shit is, like, the, you know, late 80s, early 90s death metal. Like, there's an incredible reverence for all these bands for that era. Yeah. But they're bringing their own stamp to it. It's not just, like, this, you know, like, throwback shit at all. Not at all. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, we got an HM2 pedal and we're going to play like, you know, sound just like Entombed. Like, no, we're going to sound like, kind of sound like Martin Van Drunen and then do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> you sure. Know, vocally and then just go crazy. I mean, what's cool about it is, I, you know, they're obviously, especially on this record, um, 
grabbing onto a lot of like Chuckisms, you know, in yeah. terms of like the approach to the guitar and, and some of the soloing and things like this that. This is the kind of prog death metal that I like. Yeah. There's there's a lot of shit that's not like the I can't think what the hell the bands are called. Uh some of the younger bands that are just incredibly like virtuoso musicians, but I just could give a shit. I can't remember a song from the next. Yeah. But these guys have like a real organic Yeah. And same with like Blood Incantation records everything to tape. Yeah, there's it's all live to tape shit. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, Pro Tools happening. It's like that's the performance, and that's what Horrendous was the first band of this generation of new bands that when I saw live sounded better than they sounded recorded, which is never the case with that. Was never the case in the '90s with death metal. Yeah, it was kind of when I heard '90s this, death metal live could be like a real. I remember going like in '92, going down to Blondie's, which is a shithole venue, or the Marquee in uh, Detroit, and seeing Dismember for the first time. And the only way I could tell what song they were playing was when I could hear the drum breaks, because you couldn't hear the guitars at all. Oh, you could kind of hear the vocals, Damn. so you just kind of like, okay, I, I know what song this is now. But do you think that's a product of technology, or do you think that's a product of like? band venues now actually knowing what to do with that sound whereas like they didn't used to know years ago it's probably a mix of both because before it was all the sound guys for some reason they basically seemed like everything was for a vocal driven group where the kick drums loud like it's the fucking shirelles or something's gonna be playing with a tambourine like as the main like you know percussive beat guitars don't matter it's just barking vocals and this fucking triggered drum beats sure and now like when we saw tribulation with fred espy doing the sound for him they sounded amazing. And he's a guy that gets it. Yeah. yeah obviously. <laughs> it's like, all you got to do is turn the kick drums down. You really don't, you don't really need to mic the drums much of it all mm-hmm. at, at this point in time. Turn the guitars up always. Bring the vo- the vocals down just a little bit. Bring the bass up. Don't distort it. Yeah. There you well, go. It's kind of like the issue I think I had when we last saw Behemoth is like their drums were like way. We couldn't hear the guitars at all. Tune up. And yeah. And like. You know, I'm kind of lukewarm on some of the newer Behemoth stuff, but like Nurgle's is like a awesome guitar player, you know, yeah. and stuff like. Let's hear them shred and, and play yeah. those riffs and stuff like that. And yeah, it was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. But but I think yeah, when I've seen Horrendous and Blood Incantation and and, and Solitude, you know, all Even these like like Demolich sounded sound, fucking amazing sound when we saw yeah. him there. Yeah, the, sure. There's a local club by uh, where me and my wife live, where like it sounds just as good as fucking anything, like mm-hmm. a Brock show. It's great. Yeah, we've seen a lot of a lot of really good shows there. Like I saw Pentagram there. I don't know how long ago that was now. Oh, uh, I missed that show. It was like three or four months ago or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, every everybody's just sounds great. Like people understand shit now. Yeah, and I think like the the approach that these guys take with you know, you know, Mark mentioned the the progressive word, but I don't. I you know, I think it's there's a lot of shredding. There's a lot mm-hmm. of like. Um, Kind of just really kind of shimmering guitar riffs kind of mixed in. Um, it's progressive in a... Um, it's got, like, good ideas. Yeah, it's in a, It's not in a way, like... Uh, like, I think when I say progressive, I think of Rush, not Dream Theater. Or Voivod. Or, or Voivod, like, like, yeah. like, weird, pushing yourself to your boundaries... Um, not staying in like what you think that your genre is supposed to be. Like I think I think early Morbid Angels progressive. Absolutely, because like yeah. the things that Trey is doing are like what the fuck, like so abstract. And in anything terms like of composition. You know, like, you know? um, I guess maybe spiritual healing on for death. Yeah, yeah. No, you There's some, start to hear some elements in spiritual healing. That's yeah. the transition record. You yeah. Know? But you know Murphy's killing it on mm-hmm. the record with Chuck, and I think. I think the fact that Chuck was starting to maybe play with better guitar players, like, was pushing him 
mm-hmm. you know, um, and just better musicians in general. Nothing against like you know Bill Andrews and, and some of those Terry guys, Butler and Terry but, Butler. But, but yeah, those guys were like you know they were the caveman route, and mm-hmm. Chuck was always pushing. Sure, yeah. Always. You start hanging out with guys like you know Sean Reinhart and James Murphy, and yeah. you know like Gene Hoglin, and like they're gonna just like challenge. It's gonna you. up your game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. And I think you get that, um, you know, but then there, there, there's like interesting things that happen like about halfway through that song. Um, when we were previewing this before we started recording, like I kind of stopped Mark and was like, what, what is it? What's that remind you of? Cause it just like was so clear and you were like, it sounds like Opeth. And I was like, ah, that's what it is. Yeah. This like major chord triumphant sort of riff or like, uh, the, the chord progressions. Like, yeah. Opeth, they're not the first to do it, but yeah, but they were like. That's like that's in their like you know bag of tricks. Older stuff too, like yeah. you would have heard in like Morning Rise and Orchid, and yeah. some of that a little bit more. But but a lot of like Rongian records, like for you sure. know, triumphant tremolo riff. Yeah, uh, like the next, they t- they like that that weird thrash, very like weird. Um, it was a lot of the Gothenburg bands. Yeah, kind of had it. It was know? like they were like the third level of thrash mm-hmm. with the the riffing and stuff. Yeah, which like in a way, like a lot of that Gothenburg stuff was like like more thrash inspired death metal than almost any other scene. Yeah, like Dark Angel inspired. Yeah, stuff. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. not as much metallic. A little well, Dark Angel Metallica, like but destruction. Yeah, you know they were drawn on like a lot the of Teutonic German, stuff. Teutonic and, stuff. Yeah, but. And, you know, so I, again, it's, I, I'm sure horrendous sounds like a band that has like listened to like a lot of stuff. Um, and they definitely like, I don't know. I think they, they're, they internalize a lot of different influences, which makes them almost sound so fresh and original because they're not trying to really copycat anyone They're but they're mm-hmm. taking inspiration from so many different pools that it, it, it overall sounds really refreshing to me. You yeah. Know? And I think um, in both like blood incantation and horrendous, um, Damien from uh, Horrendous records all their shit. Oh, he does that like Watchtower Studios or something. The I forget what it's called, but um, both of those bands are very into recording as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes them a better, tighter band. Yeah, and it's not like doing it in the studio. It's like no, we we do it wherever we're at. <laughs> Would you say Horrendous though is more uh, to me like I, I hear more like melodic elements than what I hear in Blood Incantation? You know. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, I just think, like, they, you know, and that's the thing, like, that always, like, I think by the time you get to spiritual healing made, like, death stand out from, like, the other death metal of Florida is, like, Chuck had, like, an inherent, like, knack for, like, melodies and stuff like that. Like, you like, could play like, death for, like, people that maybe didn't like death metal and they could kind of be like, I can hear, I yeah. can hear the appeal here. It may not yeah. be the thing I go to. Whereas I think like obituary was obituary like was lover. catchiness, yeah, not necessarily melody. Like that's a, I guess a fine line. But like the immolations and incant, you know, all, yeah, all like yeah. you know, death was more palatable in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think horrendous, like their trajectory, they could go a lot of places. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you said you pulled out that new one, which I haven't pulled out for a while. Yeah, it's at uh, it's new, idle, but, two years old. Yeah. But when I first heard it, I just kind of like, okay, it's fine. And then I, I finally, like, I was going back and re-listening to the other records, and it's like, shit, I don't even own this. And I was looking for it, it was sold out on oh, Season no of Mist. You didn't own it? Huh. No, and then I fucking got in Barnes & Noble. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> for pretty pretty fair price, but I was like, this record's great. But they do some more, like, they do a little clean, singy stuff, but not in a, like, in a way that makes sense. It's not, like, completely changing, like, Trying what their to, band is. yeah. 
that's I don't know why that's such a problem for me, but like when people I love when people push outside their boundaries a little bit. But when you decide 100% we're not doing this anymore, but we're not really good enough to do it and go for it is like oh, oh, that can get a little rough. Yeah. You know, some bands like kind of pulled that off with like even like some awkwardness like you know you listen to like discouraged ones from catatonia and like he lacks some confidence but he's like still it works singing though. in his own range yeah and there's a little like uneasy nervousness in like how he's singing which fits with the feeling yeah, of yeah, the songs it, it, or whatever it totally works whereas like i i you know there's definitely some of those bands that were you even heard it like metalcore stuff a little bit where they like thought they could like do some like emo y kind of passages and it was like uh, it was like a sour thing. It yeah. just like turns off the whole song and you're yeah. like, eh, it doesn't do it. That's why I that's I hope I hope that Tribulation never tries to sing. I know. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Unless like unless like somebody in that band, even if it's not the main vocalist, it's like that's Mastodon. Fine. If somebody in that yeah. band, like other than the main guy, can like like if eight albums in or whatever, it. like Brandaler's like, hey, I can sing really good. Like, yeah, go for it, dude. Do it, dude. Yeah, you. But uh, so. yeah, like bring other stuff in, but still keep the, you know, the vibe. But when you're pushed, yeah, I can't. I'm trying to think of any bands that, that I can think of that just rub me really the wrong way with that vocal approach. Well, there's some I think we're going to talk about in our other patron show. Well, the yeah. yes. Yeah, <laughs> we, we don't want to spoil that surprise. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a sequel for our next patron show that's the inverse maybe of uh, of this. You the, can call it the the, the bad we, and the ugly. But we don't know how to like it. Yeah. If this stuff. is the good, then maybe it's the bad and the ugly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, definitely definitely awesome. Awesome, man. I'm sure most of you that listen to our podcast pretty seriously enough to be patrons are familiar with horrendous, but if not, fuck, man, go out and get that stuff. And then see them live. They're they're coming through uh in the next month or so with Cloak. At least in Michigan. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're Cloak's gonna, they're doing them. Yeah. Um but the if you haven't seen him with the bass player, this he looks like he's fucking 12 years old, but he's <laughs> I think you you saw him, right? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's like I don't know if it's fretless, but it sounds he's like, like fucking Tony Choice. Yeah, he's all he's all over the place. Yeah. yeah, and everybody's just smiling and fucking riffing. That's great. Yeah. They're fun. They they seem to enjoy what they're doing. You yeah. know, like there's a passion there that's cool. Kind of like Tribulation Live. Where yeah. You're just like, man, they they care about their craft, mm-hmm. you know. So and uh, now we kind of take a different tone with a, a person who's maybe not smiley, although last time we saw him on stage, he was pretty <laughs> smiley, uh, but a little bit more kind of focused and intense. Um, and this is one of Mark's picks. And, and certainly I, I had a list and I wrote down some names and all of the names that I wrote down were all things that Mark ended up picking too. So it's not like we're in like disagreement here. It's no, just, but yeah. It's... This is one he felt, although I think maybe a, like I just was like, I couldn't narrow it down, so I said, "All right, tell me the ones you picked, and I'll pick three <laughs> other ones." So, so Tripticon. Yeah, I, I created like a for myself like a very dis- it's it's easier for me to have very distinct like here's what you here's your the the confinement of what you need to decide yeah. through. And I was like, okay, it's got to be in ten years, people are going to give a shit. There's some kind of like transformative thing, or like uh, the 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 last one. I guess it's very. Maybe it's just those two things. But uh, with Tripticon, it was one of those bands where it's... Tom G's done some crap. Like, if you've ever heard of Pauline's Son, it's not really... Yeah. It, it doesn't was, It doesn't really hold up not, very yeah. well. It's not like... It was, seems very of its time. But Hellhammer, Celtic Frost, Tripticon are all pretty... It's like sea change shit per... Like, the, as the genre was expanding, mm-hmm. he was expanding. And it's great to see a guy that's in his... Got to be mid fifties at this point, at least. 
Oh, I think he's older than 57, that. 58? He's got to be almost 60 years old. Well, you know, he's 20 when Hellhammer comes out, 18. I don't think he's 20. 18, maybe? Yeah. That's 83. Yeah. You know, I was five then. So you throw eight, you know, you throw yeah. about 13 years on me. Yeah. Like, I was eight. Yeah. yeah 50, 57, 58, probably. But for like him that. to keep doing, and, and granted, this record's from, um, well, let's just stand up. The second one's 2014. Yeah. That's, it's been a while, but still, like, the, the, F, you can, when you hear those riffs, you can still hear Hellhammer. Mm-hmm. Like, they're still, for somehow, when he was that, that young, he had, there's some, like, something in him that, is still kind of like working its way out. Yeah. Working its way through things. But and it still seems incredibly valid and um like carrying this record again, it's like it just seems timeless. Yeah, and I mean the production that you know, V Santora from Dark Fortress, mm-hmm. um And he's the guitar player as well. Through together, yeah, yeah. And he and he has this great vocal part yeah. in this song that's just like intense and, and um it, there, like, there's something so serious about Triptychon. Like yes. when I hear, like I got to be in a, like a serious mood. Like I got to like, I can't just like, I can't listen it the same way I listen like in Solitude, where it's like I'm just driving around and happy. Yeah, like, this is like a mood record where like I feel like I'm letting letting Tom down if I don't like <laughs> kind of like you know get yeah. in that right headspace or something. Well, like Hellhammer is like you know it's the youthful enthusiasm and like it's like the, almost a punk record, the anger right? and yeah, it's, it's kind of has a punky vibe. And Celtic it. Frost is a little more like obtuse and abstract, but this seems like incredibly like emotionally. It's all about his like inner turmoil shit that he's yeah, been holding for years. And, yeah, yeah, it can kind of be draining. You know, it's like a Tarkovsky film or something. Where you're yeah, like, Ooh, and there's <laughs> there's like Tom's vocals, which aren't really the like you know proto death metal, but then Vicentura is doing straight death vocals, and then he has like these gothy kind of like spoken word. You know, Tom's doing those things as well, and it all works. I'm trying to see if I have the. I, I didn't write it down. Um, the female vocals on this too. I don't know if her her name stands. Oh, I'm not sure. I think she was on the Celtic Frost record and the first two Triptychons. Oh, okay. No shit. I think it's the same person. Okay. Now, why did you why why this one? Maybe I mean because uh, uh, was it, was it Esper, Esperatera de Monos? Yeah, that um, I thought. Would, that's a great record too. It's but, great, but it, it, this was, was just like more a, like refined. Okay, is this one you go back to a little bit more? Yeah, I listened to both of them yesterday, and the the first one feels like it has way more in common with Monotheist, sure. as far as like the bludgeoning okay. nature of it. And this is more like contemplative and like expansive, and there's more like holding out notes, and it just sounds more raw, like emotionally raw than the first record. The first record seemed really angry, and this yeah. one seems more like uh, it just, just seems like a maturity, uh, like a you know the next step. Yeah, and it's interesting because like I I was reading a interview where he kind of says when he he was like in a like a better place when he recorded this record. Um <laughs> it was like he was really satisfied with like uh Milana whereas like you know, I think him leaving Celtic Frost in like 2008 and you know, kind of like a what a weird feeling and Yeah. Um although strangely enough it's like I think I don't know if this record came out before or after uh Martin uh passed away. Um, no. Oh no, Martin, Martin was in 2017. Yeah, it's 2017. It was um HR Geiger that died this yes. same year. Yeah, yep. that they released this record. So. Yeah, that's when the like the I think the year after the documentary came out. Okay, got it. 
Yeah, another great cover too for that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, I don't. Know, and then the name of the song is Bullskin House, and um, this was a reference to. Oh, it was uh, Alistair Crowley's house yeah. on Loch Ness. Yeah, that Jimmy Page later bought. It's the same one. <laughs> yep. The, you know. Which I yeah I never even looked, but that's the thing with also like his uh, like lyrical references and nothing is like dated of the time. Everything's like always like the the occult stuff goes back to where it began. And yeah. it, it all it all seems it doesn't it never seems like contrived or weird. Like he has such a straight line of where he's gone from the beginning. Sure. That it's uh I never really questioned anything like he's talking about. Yeah, I think maybe like uh, you know, I'm, I was preoccupied kind of thinking about the comparison of these two records. I think the first Triptychon is like maybe more historically important because it kind of showed that like he, I think he had a life outside of it. But I think I do enjoy listening to this one more. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's like he's the rest of the band is like a new generation of musicians. Yeah, and it's it's really good to see that he's. I'm sure he's kind of the guiding force, but also like he never did really death metal vocals as, as they like as modern, as we think of modern death metal vocals. Like he seems like he really respects at least V Santura and the, I can't think of the bass player's name. Uh, Vanja Slaj. Like if yeah. you see them live, they're always like smiling at each other. Like they have an inside joke and it's mm-hmm. always great. Yeah. And we mentioned, I think when we talked about, uh, being at beer and metal fest last year like tom was in rare happy i've never seen him do banter like that it was yeah. great so maybe I don't, that's, I don't remember the jokes but maybe that's was, why we haven't gotten a Triptychon record since 2014 the guy's like too satisfied with his life well he's done the the hellhammer reunion stuff yeah that's true the triumph of death stuff yeah, yeah and then he's got some other thing going on with um the female bass player that was in a bath for the last record oh the one who kind of got kicked out yeah with all that, yeah. Or whatever, yeah, whatever Some happened there. Some issues were sort of going on. I read an interview with her, and it was, it was a very strange interview. She was kind of yeah. like elusive about certain things, so I, I don't know. That whole a bath thing is so weird. With Well, like, he's a he's a he's an addict. His, his yeah, I mean, and, he's clean right now. Yeah. He's good for him. I'm happy, you know. But it's, that's like a, and he's like, I anything that like, he's the band. Yeah. Like, no, like in the end of thing, like after that. You know, who cares if who's in it outside of him, really? And then maybe she was just like a blip that made things harder. Or worse. Like, yeah. I don't know what, what the deal Did, was. Would, but. Was there a relationship there between them? No, yeah. I, I don't think that, so. Okay. But like if whatever it might have been, like if she just needed to go because he felt whatever. Yeah. It's him. It's and, it's and a path. And I couldn't get like, again, I'd have to go back and look at the the interview. I only read it the one time, but I couldn't get the feeling maybe she also had some addictive kind of things going on and so maybe because well, when we saw them the she was like toxic Remember? for each other to be in the same that band, could be perhaps you know if he's but when we saw him clean. the last tour right before they did that oh yeah yeah he she wasn't playing with him oh uh, you're right yeah hmm. so i don't i don't know what what it might have been but gotcha but tom's working with her on something yeah they're oh, that's cool they're and she's in triumph of death as well oh okay yeah i think i knew that i definitely she's like from some like greek metal band that i've never heard of before hmm Tom always picks either people oh, from Germany or people from Greece to be in his bands. It seems like, Hey, if you like, uh, <laughs> I feel like people from Germany and people from Greece, that's a really, that's a weird theme for our podcast, especially what we've done like the last year and what we're about to be undertaking. Yeah. So there's some like visceral connection between those two countries. And but yeah, there's some weird stuff with like world war two and like, and I also think they have like weird, like 
very distinctive metal scenes that don't like connect to like true what Sweden or Norway even if they play some of the same genres like yeah. like to me German black metal sounds like German black metal and Greek yes. black metal sounds Greek black metal whereas like there's some crossover between like Finnish Swedish Norwegian kind of death black metal sometimes you know but then like Austrian you know black metal is like it's like super like riffy <laughs> It's like Palm Muti and yeah. it's like, uh, what the, Elastis Samael, and Samael and, yeah. you know, Celtic Frost started it all. So yeah. it's like, yeah. catchy. It's, it's a weird, it's like yeah. catchy kind of like. But it's, it's of its own thing for sure. It's like oscillating kind of like thing going yeah. on. So, yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's get into this. We got uh, Triptychon from Milana Chasmata. Chas what? Uh, Latin. Jessica Stastana. What's that? Jessica Chastain. Ah, Jessica Chastain. Yes. Ah, <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about it. Um, Bullskin House. So enjoy this. And then from there, whew, here we go. I'm going to try some pronunciation here. Uh, how's my French? Uh, from there, and we'll talk more about these two bands when we come back. Um, we've got Elcest with a song called La Ou Nascent Les Couleurs Nouvelles from the Le Voyage de l'Homme record Whew, man that might have been brutal <laughs> sorry for french and i offended you and then we'll be ending things with from the gallows from paradise sauces medusa we'll talk about those when we get back
That was from The Gallows, from Paradise Lost. And then before that, we had, I'll try it again, La Ou Nascent Les Couleurs Nouvelles. I don't even know what that is, from Alceste. And then we started off with Bullskin House from the aforementioned Trypticon. So, so last two tunes, um, kind of a different tone, I guess. Um, although Trypticon kind of has, I think, some... Um, you know, doomy, oh, yeah. uh, repetitive, kind of transcendent, meditative qualities to them. It's just more like uh, more grim and, you know, yeah, kind of like oppressive. They're more like an oppressive kind of thing. Whereas like, you know, Alcest com- coming out of that in the middle song there has more of like, a, to me, like a black gaze kind of thing to mm-hmm. them. You know, they definitely in a, in have, a good sense. Yeah. Like the shoegaze kind of thing. Um like the the it, it's oppressive but with major chords so it doesn't sound yeah as oppressive yeah and like they have these just different moments where like it to me it scratches a lot of the itches that like catatonia scratches for me especially like the older brave murder day kind of mm-hmm. uh, stuff um you know probably the, some of the same itches that you know paradise lost scratches for you you know just yeah. that like that warm familiar sort of sound when they're using some of those like catatonia catatonia minor chord kind of riffing like brave murder day kind of which really goes back to kind of uh, stuff. uh christendom with from, christendom from yeah from icon yeah. yep absolutely you know shimmering meditative kind of music um you know alces is a man I, I i i've always been i think more into them than than you have but i i think you know some of those older stuff you don't mind so much no I, um, it's just not something i go to yeah it's like when i hear it it, uh, it sounds good but it's not something you I, don't pull it out i don't pull it out. yeah it's not something i go for yeah I, how much of that like do you pull out like the stuff like a neurosis or god flesh or do you do you find yourself maybe not as into like the more meditative um i don't know what i'm trying to say like isis and, and some of that kind of stuff is that isis i found boring after a certain point um I've got everything Neurosis has ever done. Okay. Do you pull those out pretty often? Not that odd. Like when I when a new like Fires Within Fires came out, I yeah. listened to it like five or six times. Yeah. So maybe that's just not like a, like you're kind of. It's not someplace I go very often. Yeah. Yeah. That's like sense. some if I'm like you know I smoke some legal marijuana in the state of Michigan. Hey, welcome to Michigan. Uh, like that's some like when I'm you know my wife's out of town for business. You know, I get high and listen to Neurosis or something. But yeah, yeah. It's not something I normally go. It's not like a go to unless. Okay. You know, it's like some very specific eras of neurosis, like the hits. Sure. Neurosis stuff. Well, I think it's probably, you know, like Chris always tells me, like, he drives around to, like, Funeral Doom and a lot of, like, kind of, um, I don't know what you would call that scene. Kind of like bands that have, like, uh, like Drab Majesty and some of that stuff that's, like, more, like, kind of Depeche Mode kind of thing. Synthy stuff. And I think maybe, like, for me, like, my kind of calm driving sort of thing would be, like, bands like like the Alcests and stuff like that. Okay. You know? I don't know if you have, like, that kind of calm, repetitive, like, genre that, like, kind of feeds that. Or if you, you know what I mean? I don't know. Do, I don't know. Do you have that? It's Usually it's, it's stuff that's more direct. Or if it's, like, I don't know. I mean, you're more of a stripped down kind of guy in general. You yeah. Know, say if we were yeah. kind of, like, comparing each other, but... I didn't know if you had that like one band or that one kind of genre that like kind of does that for you, that background music. I don't drive that much to be honest. So well, I don't, maybe, that, maybe that's it. <laughs> I drive a lot. Unfortunately. Like, well, lately I have like, you know, parents having medical issues yeah, and stuff, yeah. but I just, I was just listening to that, uh, the new Sir Thungle. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's that, your triumphant drive. You're kind of, yeah, but I, but I don't have like a go-to. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm not saying I've got I'm like full the, stuff I've all got the like time summer driving stuff. Like I'll throw on like Easy Living by there you Uri go. Heap and okay. shit. But okay. that's like a very specific sure. kind of thing. But yeah, the meditative stuff. I don't. I don't. There's not a whole lot of times where I feel like that's something I want to hear. Gotcha. Which is so strange. You being like the quote unquote the artist. Yes. You know? Uh, you know. But maybe you get that from but something al- else. But also, I get that from instead of just not listening to music, I'll listen to like two seasons of star trek next generation okay there you go so i have like different like so maybe that's that's yeah. your outlet yeah yeah i get that i just and also know. sometimes i just want people i'm trying to, get, to psychoanalyze to you so this is yeah the, yeah yeah i've got like my like my warm blanket stuff is more i don't know if it's as much music as it is uh television or film okay and it i can be. definitely go that route i think probably more than chris i think we're yeah you and i are much more film television but chris, chris is also a guy that um he'll do video games though too much more than you and i would i yeah. but i don't touch the things but he's got uh he's got a, a built-in desire to find new interesting stuff yeah and i don't as much and if I something think, strikes me i go for it but it's not like i don't need to say dude you need to hear this yep and that's always been part of his personality we're just different yeah that way and that's I have I'm some glad of that, that he's, yeah. but I I have like in um, realistic expectations because of yes. my job. Yes, right. Like I yeah. I'm I am searching, but a lot like last few years, obviously with doing the countdown and stuff, I'm more searching backwards a lot. You know, like I just bought a heap of like '80s stuff lately. Um, you ever heard of like oh man? I now I gotta look them up. Why I have them? <laughs> I have them in a playlist and stuff. But like, there's a band like a German Warrant. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that. I was that. the uh, dirty, rotten, filthy, yeah. stinking rich kind of guy. So was I. So was <laughs> I. Um, but I found some some of the kind of old stuff like that. Who are some of the other bands that are in this kind of playlist? I've kind of been going back on this. Well, I just picked up the the pirate era Running Wild records. Um, those are good. I like those a Death lot. Death or Glory and Port Royal and um, Under Jolly Roger. Mm-hmm. Um, the Black Metal ones are great. That's an interesting band we should... Do yeah, something about that'd be, someday. definitely fun. Uh, yeah, there's the Warrant Band. I I can't remember what the name of the record is. Um, it's got songs like The Rack, Nuns Have No Fun, Send You to Hell, The Enforcer. What, what year did that come out? Is that where like Mr. Fate got Nuns Have No Fun from? Uh, or no, no, they did no, all the way around. Yeah, okay. they might have taken something from there. Um, you know, I didn't realize that, speaking of old bands that, that sound like other cock rock bands, but Skid Row... Was Gary Moore's first band? Oh, you didn't have those? I have those right I didn't know that was Gary Moore. Yeah. yeah. No, so now I'm like, oh, fuck. I saw... Um, I've got those upstairs. Did you ever see those Amoeba What's in Your Bag things yeah, yeah. on YouTube? Yeah. Matt Pike was on there with the bass player, I forget, from High and Fire. Yeah, and he, and he was There was like a, a two-pack of Skid Row. It was like, it's the Gary Moore. I was like, maybe I just didn't know who Gary Moore was like 15 Probably, years ago. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, I need to hear that shit now. Uh, yeah, I'll bust them out. You can borrow them. Yeah, that'd so. be great. Um, Atrophy. I don't know if you remember Atrophy. Living mm. Death. These are sort of like thrash bands from like the the eighties. That you know. Well, my wife got me Violence. Uh, well, thank with, you with a little help. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, your your wife was in desperation, and I was just like sending her links to stuff. I'm Next like, time, you? tell her to get me a uh, Crush the Cenotaph. Oh, twelve inch LP. Okay, yeah. I was trying to guess. I, I was having her do like <laughs> those are both good though because I didn't have I have no emulation either. Yeah, yeah. That's what. She, oh, those I had her. Good. I had her like peek around a little bit and then i kind of was peeking at your house too yeah like looking for what you had and didn't have and stuff like that so um but oh, i was like good. every every kind of little bit thing but 
but yeah, so I, you know, I've been kind of like on that journey too, but, um, I feel that, I feel that, you know, where I, I get my gap filled with like other ways with like, a lot of film stuff. Like Mark and I are both kind of minor collectors of like criterion edition stuff, just trying to, I don't know. We like, we like the craftsmanship that maybe quality over quantity sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was just, we were at a, a friend's house. Um, we went over and did karaoke at their house and I'd never really talked to either one of them that, that deeply before. And, uh, my wife and her friend were out talking and I was talking to her husband and we all love the same shit. Cause he, he I, I assumed he was like an indie rock guy. Just how he looked. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, he, he was a guitarist for the meat men. The oh. Tesco V band. Okay. For a while. And then he's, I was like, what, what kind of stuff do you really love? He's like, I just love old classic rock, man. Like fucking deep purple and right. I was like, Oh shit. Nice. And then later on in the night, they've got a, they had a little basement area with a drum kit and, you know, amps and bass and shit set up and played like Danzig and some old priest oh, shit. together. And so I was like, Oh, this is, <laughs> that's fun. But that's the stuff that like the, I don't care as much about what's the newest cool thing as much about like, where did it come from? And like, like that's the stuff that interests sure. like the history of it. It's kind of more interesting. A, there's got to be like a, like an age where that's like starts to take, take hold because I think, I think if you keep pushing it, if you don't, you stick with what you liked in high school. Yeah. That's there's true. a lot of those guys that still like just listening to like post grunge. Sure. But guys like us that are fanatics about it. Yeah. Like you hit a certain point, like, okay, cool. But why does this, yeah sound like this like oh halloween like okay what happened before that but i just wonder like i think of the guys because i think we're the same age group as a lot of the writers at like uh decibel and stuff like that you know maybe within yeah. like a five to ten year range mm -hmm. one way or the other and i just i guess i wonder what's still driving some of those guys that are the same age as us to like keep trying to find the next greatest latest kind of well stuff. they're writing about it too yeah i guess they're getting paid to care about it yeah you know because so. like we don't have to be relevant for the show because it's there's it's not like financially it's not a it's not that's not the in incentive sure. yeah. we're doing it because we care about it and we like to it gives us a excuse to hang out and to do ridiculous yeah and to talk about lots of notes of stuff horrendous shit. and in solitude yeah yeah shit like that yeah absolutely so so i don't i don't think we have that's necessarily the same fire under our ass to like well shit i need to get an article in these two magazines so i need to know who's yep I like gotta. this and that and like retrospective stuff, I think is what. As I'm getting older, I'm, I'm more interested in in the history. Yeah, yeah, like the ZZ Top documentary that just came out. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I was we were watching or we were gonna watch something. I was like, let's just watch this instead. It's an hour and a half, and it's gonna be fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, speaking it can be of, by anybody. I think you told me uh, to check it out, and I really dug it. That uh, David Crosby documentary. That's great. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't it's believe this guy's still alive. Yeah, it's sad. It's yeah, got, you know, but yeah, but. uh Speaking of sadness, back to Elsass, <laughs> yeah. But no, I think it's just, like I said, I get like a kind of, you know, like I said, black metal, catatonia vibes. The, some of the vocals, especially when they're doing some of like the kind of cleanish kind of songs and stuff, um, they really remind me of that band Novembre, the Italian kind of, uh, I don't know, the Italian anathema, catatonia. They were sort of like in that realm of Mid -90s? those type of bands. Is that one that was late 90s? Yeah, Arte Novacento was the second record they did, um... Uh, I can't remember what the debut was. The debut was in a, like Requiem number six, I think, or five. You guys did an interview okay. with them then. Was um, that on Avant Garde label? 
I don't think it was. I'm trying to remember. They eventually end up on Century Media by about like I think their third record. Um, Is that all they did? Was three? No, no. They, they. They. I think they're even still around today. I think oh, I sure. followed them through. I'm gonna look them up on Spotify. Um, I think I, I followed them through like their fourth or fifth record. Um, they'd be kind of a fun, interesting band to do a show on sometime, just because they are. Like I said, they're in that realm of the stuff that we like. Yeah, they put out a record in 2016, Ursa. Sure. Yeah, I was really into... Constellation uh, fans. Yeah. There's some major and minor, man. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they the first one they did on Century Media was... I picked it up in Italy, actually, when I was there. It was called okay. Classica. Um, Novembering Waltz. You, I might have gotten you into that. That was 2001. Okay. They had a song on it um, called Ever, you in Italy? Ever Asia. Uh, I lived in Italy in january 2000 is when i went there and i came back in like uh like late may okay so that first half of 20 2000 basically right after y2k baby Fucking i got on a 20 plane. years ago yeah i know isn't that nuts <laughs> but yeah so that uh that came out when i was over the classical record but the the second record was like all no death metal singing on the whole thing which mm-hmm. was kind of odd it was called arte novacento i think i reviewed it for eclipse one or two it was like one of like it was one of, one of the first reviews i wrote where i actually felt like it's not, like I, like I was kind of like doing something like that wasn't just like wasting other people's time because <laughs> some of the reviews in the first two uh, uh, issues are fucking terrible. I'd be the first to tell you. At least um, you tried though. Yeah, hey, I was trying. That's, that's I how I feel about better. it now. I was yeah. like embarrassed. Now I look back. I was like, at least I was trying to do something. But then I look at like where I was by like issue five, six, and seven. I, I yeah, I was in a real. I think I was in a pretty good place. You know. Um, but yeah, so there's some of that kind of going on, and you even mentioned that. You get like kind of the vibe from this record when we were kind of flying through it because I played Mark not only this song but I I made him stand and we listened to Beans of Light and uh, <laughs> kind of had like an old enslaved um, Viking repetitious kind of Viking vibe. Ligger kind yeah. of vibe to it or whatever with like the the calming keyboards but like just playing the same riff and the same drum beat like over and over and over. It's like that monotony where you're waiting to hear the difference and where that just makes like it breaks. Big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's such a relief. But you said it kind of. To you, had like a Death Haven vibe, a little bit. Yeah, Death like Haven. the the yeah. stuff that people seem to really like about Death Heaven. Yeah, like the 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 more like I guess black gaze kind of thing. Yeah, like there's like major riffs in it, but mm. there's still like the blasting and all that stuff. But the the thing that I don't like about that band is the fucking vocals suck. Really, they're just so just. It's I like them one dimensional live than I do like on record. I don't pull them out on record. Like he often. doesn't sing any other way than that, right? Yeah. Whereas to me, the singing on like Alcest is like way more like it's way more interesting too. It, it seems more introspective and yeah, kind of. And it was so like the first time I saw Def Heaven with fucking girls in baby doll dresses, headbanging to this band that just sounded like Bad Burzum. Yeah, like the the music sounded fine, but the like the vocals are what like I don't know. We can talk about that another show. Sure, no, but I, <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that you brought it up because you know. You said, like, Alsace does what, like, I think Deaf Heaven is supposed to do for people. Yeah. In a way. And, like, and maybe... I in don't a more so interesting way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I've always been... I've kind of followed Alsace on their sort of journey through stuff and really dig those guys, you know? So, but that was a really insightful comment. I was like, oh, yeah. I never really thought like, about that. Yeah, black metal... Oh, a way for black metal to, to reach a different audience in a yeah interesting yeah. way, and they kind of went a little more clean on the Shelter record, um, and then now they're kind of back to like kind of a, a nice even mix of stuff. Yeah, know? but uh, and you know France, man, there's not a whole lot there. Yeah, he you, know, you got Despel Omega and some of those, those Gojira, like, which Gojira? Yeah. bore the tits off me, but you know I like people some like Gojira. Them. I, you know, live I like him a lot. 
I think they're really, you know, they're like a more interesting mashuga to me, I guess, it's which just, isn't saying much. Yeah. Because mashuga is pretty boring. That just doesn't, it doesn't hit any of my buttons. Yeah. You know, not even that first one. Like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. There's whatever. a couple, rec- there's a couple songs of those first records that remind me like Morbid Angel stuff. That's there was the, uh, what the fuck record was it called? The one with the whale? Yeah, that was fine. There's yeah, some there's some decent stuff on it, yeah. but uh, I was just it just doesn't do much for me. That kind of like rhythmic shit I would would rather hear in a band we're going to talk about later on. Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From uh, with you. you know the cradle of civilization. Oh yes, oh, yes. Um, so Paradise Lost. Yeah, yeah. That's a band I think people know that we like a little bit. We I've talked about it a couple times. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, from the gallows. This is one that uh, the Decibel put out a book called No Celebration. That's basically a, the first authorized, uh, you know, Paradise Lost biography. Uh, and this song in particular was Carl Willits, who does the foreword from Bullthrower and Memoriam, um, mentioned this to either Greg or Nick. And uh, there's an anecdote in the book talking about it, like, Whatever happened to that from the Gallo song you guys used to play at the Mermaid or whatever fucking club they were playing back yeah. in the day? And I, I guess Greg had it still on a tape, some of the riffs or you know early demos or something, and they actually reworked that was like pre Lost Paradise. That's crazy. And they reworked that for this album. And you could definitely hear it, like I, and especially in the beginning part. I think I told you it reminded me of uh, the song from Gothic, um, Falling Forever. Falling Forever. Yeah, yeah. I just had that total vibe to it. The yeah, because it goes right into their. Like the first three albums have the just everything, you know, yeah, all that uh, Aaron eighty rhythm section stuff. Um, but this record is they're they're like an infinitely interesting band, at least for me. Where the after reading that book too, their two thousand tens discography goes from where they did Tragic Idol, which was was that twenty eleven. Uh, that was 2012. 2012, okay. Um, but Greg was talking, I was still living in the basement here. Yeah, I was going to say, out. that was right near the end of the run there. And uh, Greg was talking about how if he would have continued with Draconian Times instead of One Second, this is kind of where they would have went. Got it. So this is like, the 2010s is like an alternate history for yeah, Paradise like Lost as well. the 2000s and kind of like... Psh- yeah, and then you get that, and then you get Plague Within, which starts to get us back to almost rewinding back to the beginning of their career, like the, you know, Beneath Barren Earth is that song where basically is, it was the the first time I heard it was one of those, you know, hair stands up on your arms kind of thing again with with Nick screaming and doing guttural vocals. But before that... He would bypass like In Requiem and Faith Divides Us because those to me like seemed like they were return to form kind of Well, these were more like if he, like a direct... Got it. So that would be like more of a direct follow up. Yeah. So he's like not Draconian was just missing all the stuff. No. Pri- okay. It was just like it was like a, a what if Marvel what Comics if. thing. Like, got it. What? Because I could see that you know with you know from one second through Symbol of Life, you know, like they slowly build back up. But this is if they didn't ever have to build back up if they just like jump. I got you. Yeah. So to me, like when I heard like the self titled and in Requiem, they were like building towards like yeah where they're okay but this is no, like more like yeah if we would if we would have done a record right after maybe it would have it would have been, been this but then they did that was 2012 all clean vocals 2013 they did that tragic illusion 25 mm-hmm. where they redid um gothic and our savior oh yeah with death metal vocals for the first time since boy gothic 
I mean, you could you could Shades of God, maybe Shades of God's kind of death metal singing, kind of yelling, but it's <laughs> or, more yeah. yeah, it's more yelling, screamy kind of shit. So because when do you get the nodes? Was that Gothic era? Yeah, where he had to change his way of singing. Yeah, okay. You got the the nodules in his yeah, throat or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was a huge thing. Like especially for somebody who's followed them since since Gothic came out. Hearing him do death metal vocals for the first time in like 25 years, was, was like, awesome. holy shit. Yeah. And then we got... Medusa. Well, no, we got oh. the... Um, fuck, I just totally uh, forgot about the goddamn name of it now. We're, we're at Plague Within. Plague Within, okay. Then we got death metal vocals intermixed throughout. Yep. But then we get Medusa and it's like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And another like a weird typo negative, really drenched production. It sounds like... A, like if there was a plug-in for typo negative and you dumped it onto Paradise Lost. Sure. Like su- everything's like super saturated and, but it sounds, they managed to make, to be a band that's 35 years In old. The Pete Steele book, they call it the green tone. The green tone. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, they got it on Bloody Kisses. This, yeah. Like they call it this like warmth that like this, gr- this tone that typo negative always was trying to get on their Cause sound. they can, yeah, they could hit a note and hold it out and just like, like it yeah. would just go forever. Yeah. Yeah, the green note, the green and, tone, and they do a bit of that. I think on Medusa, which is an interesting. It's not something I would have expected. I yeah. like that they keep doing stuff that doesn't. It's not exactly what I want. Yeah, and then it's like, and this is another album where at first I was, I thought it was pretty good, but I've liked it a lot more. It's going back and kind of go back. I yeah. need to pull this one out again. I, I would listen to it pretty intensely for like the first year it came out and yeah. kind of filed it. But no. then reading that book made me go back and sure. really like made, you know, made me think about things a little different. There's like Mark just read that and I'm finishing the Pete Steele book. So I've been pulling out typo negative a lot, you know? Yeah. So kind of, oh, I, yeah. And then you started reading that and then I bought the box set. Oh yeah. yeah. The LP box set. <laughs> I think so. It's a, it's all a, we're trying to, well, I'm going to talk to Jeff Wagner about some things because we, it, it's been in the works for a while, this thought of maybe doing a typo show. And I think the, we should, the elements are, we need to together. like let that down a little bit because that's going to be like a three parter probably easily. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we need to do well, a couple simple a, shows. It could really be a Pete, uh, Pete show so we could include carnivore because there, that's some interesting conversation there. So that's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, for sure. But uh, anyways, we got, we got other things <laughs> planned right now, so we'll, we'll get to it. So. But uh, yeah. So yeah. Paradise lost. Uh, I mean, you can't beat, uh, you know, I think Medusa, I was, I listened to some other lists. It did pretty well. I think it almost cracked the top 10 uh, on decibels. Medusa did. Um, yeah. I was surprised. I don't think plague made it in there at all. Did it? No. Which was kind of sad to me. Yeah, Paradise Lost, 12 is where it ended up. Anarata okay. was 11 from Horrendous. Okay. Um, Triptychon made the top, but it's it was like the, six or but it was the it? other record. It is, which, yeah, I was... Which I think, like you said, more historically important. Yeah. Maybe, like, I don't pull it out as much. It's not as, yeah, not as listenable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so... Because that- I, I picked this one before I looked back at that. I was like, oh, shit, they picked the other one. I was like, okay, I guess, I, I see why, I guess, but... Sure. Um, and lists are made to be know, debated. To be debated, they're not. It's not like a definitive thing unless it's like the list of presidents or sure. yeah. <laughs> you know whatever it might and be. And I think you know in the future we'll probably debate some of that list a little bit, which is fine. Oh sure, yeah. So uh, yeah, so here we go. Uh, final pick, I guess here. And this is a record. I was really happy that Mark kind of you thought of this too because I thought I was just going to be like alone on this one. No, know, no, no, no. Yeah, because I just don't know how other people. 
This band just doesn't really get talked about very much. Although I was, again, happy to see them include, I think it was number 80 in the top 100. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, when CVI from Royal Thunder came out, like I just... What, what year was that? Was it 2012? 2012, yeah. Okay. And seeing them live, um, I just, they're, it's awesome. I don't know. I, there's something really sweet about this particular record. And I, it's, it saddens me because we talked about this too off mic, like, it's like they've never gotten back to like this spot since, you know, no, no matter how much I want to like some of the stuff they've done follow up. And I, I try, I think they've only got two records since. Yeah. It's An just, EP and two records, or it's just three doesn't. records and a couple EPs. Mm-hmm. But to me, there's something, you know, about like Melanie's, uh, you know, vocals mm-hmm. that are just the, the, the sweet spot. But if it was just her vocals, um, that would be one thing. But to me, like this song that we're going to play blue, you've got, we talked about it with Elsus that again for me that catatonia like kind of tremola brave murder day kind of like hypnotic kind of psychedelic yeah. riff that the the catatonia and paradise lost did on Christendom. Um, it's like tender doom, tender stoner. Like there's all these. It's a timeless. I think yeah, this is like doomy elements, but yet like you know when she sings like it was black you were blue like it just like she kicks in it's well they've like got the classic rock yeah know, they've got the atlanta thing going on that like was um well, you know, almond brothers are kind of down in that area those those yeah bands but like modernly we've we've got modernly modern time mastodon mastodon yeah. and um isn't that where baroness is from too oh uh, i can't remember it's a good call but that's where these guys are from and i yeah. think um Oh, the other fucking band, female-fronted band with Laura Pleasance that we were talking about earlier. Oh, uh, Kailessa. Uh, Kailessa. Aren't they from that area as well? I think they're from the, they might be more Austin, but they're from the South. I okay. They might be a But Texas they all have, band. they all kind of share a, a yeah. similar kind of thing. You know, but I hear like Caius and Clutch, some of that like, kind of timeless 90s, like, like... You know, like, there were songs on this record where there was like a grunge vibe, but like... Oh, sure. Like Alice in Chains kind of like, you know, not yeah. like... Not like the like necessarily the cleanest of grunge, but like some of the Mud Honey, Alice in Chains, those sort of more metallic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you know, like I said, there's like a Caius aspect to it too, where like that warm, catchy energy that like Josh Holmes obviously took you know Holmes yeah. took with with Queens and stuff. But um, the and song, like a, the drumming is great on uh, this as well. Yeah, Just, you were talking about like the fills and things like yeah, that. it's like you very like hear. there's something that was happening down there where like drumming was. Percussion was a like a huge. Well, you coming out deal. of the sort of blues, jazz kind of. Yeah. You know, I mean, we talked about it in the Almond Brothers show, but like just like how incredible the percussion was, and like some of those bands, those the southern rock bands, just mm-hmm. had like an innate nature to do rhythmic kind of things. Yeah. You know. Um, but and we also never really had. There was never a scene there. As, as far as like underground metal is concerned, not with metal. There's a b- pretty big hip hop scene there, you know, Outkast yeah. and some of those, or Run the Jewels and some of those acts that kind of came out of there. But yeah, it's it is kind of strange. But as far as yeah, like underground shit, like what the fuck was there before Mastodon that we knew about? You know, I know. Um, you know, Marshall Tucker Band. I don't even know where they're from. But they're, they're was uh, <laughs> today is the day? Were they from there? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, where the Mastodon get? No, that might have been. I think that's like Virginia. East Coast. Because half of Mastodon's from, like, Boston. I think half's from Atlanta. That's what's kind of, like, the four of them. Like, two came from the northeast and two came from the southeast. And okay. they kind of merged together. Which is why you have, like, some, like, elements of, like, sort of the... 
you know, cave-in Boston hardcore converge kind of approach mixed with like kind of Southern rock sludge, you know, like all that kind of stuff or whatever. And I think, yeah, Royal Thunder kind of has some of those elements, but to me, they're more soulful, you know, they're less like proggy. You can't, it's hard to throw them in any kind of specific genre. I mean, how do you, how would you describe her vocals? I mean, I wrote like Riot Girl at times, you know, it's kind of a a grungy feel. She's got kind of. I feel she's like a really raw Ann Wilson. Yeah, there's some of that for sure. Because she can really. Nicks kind of evoke a little of that, you know, I don't know. And I was saying like, uh, off mic, we're talking a little bit about how she has, she can hit this note just like effortlessly, like Ian Gillen could just like do his you know, ah, yeah. scream thing. Well, like Grace, Grace Slick from Jefferson yeah. Airplane was like that. She could yeah. really like belt like that note, you know. But the the interesting part of the whole thing is that she never really tried to sing. Yeah, this is a cool story. And then she just, I mean, there's not much to the story, but. Well, they were an instrumental band when yeah. they first started. And she had sang, she had screamed in like a grind, uh, hardcore punk band. Yeah, but that not was all like. kind of knew. Nobody realized how good she could actually sing. And I think they were fucking around at a band practice and they just said like, hey, like try yeah you know for fun that's like, like holy they were shit like mind blown like whoa yeah. like imagine discovering that diamond in the rough yeah know? yeah my wife loves this band we went to see them a couple of years ago and they still sound great their new material is okay but she's yeah not as- it just like doesn't grab me this i mean like the song we're gonna end with uh is blue and it's like this kind of just epic nine minute sort of journey through all, like all these different kind of movements and sounds and you know it kind of starts with like this cool like droning yeah, I call it kind of uh, the the same guitar that you hear in like U2's I Will Follow from yeah. Boy. Like that sort of droning early 80s UK kind of sound like Depeche Mode, The Cure, you know. the It feels like mixed by Steve Von Till. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. No, no, yeah, more like dense. But it, it, sound, of, like, it sounds like you're hearing them just come up with a song. Yeah. Like it's kind of real jammy and yep. yeah, yep. a lot of Absolutely. air to it. And there's jammier songs on the record than mm-hmm. Blue as well. But to me, this is a centerpiece of the record. It's yeah. like the fifth song. It kind of like balances everything out. Um, but man, there's... They still play it live, so... Do they? That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And it's that was fun live because mm-hmm. you feel like the build, like it's just cool energy and stuff. And her... her she doesn't even need to be mic'd. Really? She's that... Her voice I've is so live loud. I've time, I think, so... But we saw them last time that uh, me and my wife saw them. They were, it was at a fairly small... I mean, Jesus, it's not much bigger than this we're recording right Sweet. now. yeah. Um, but she's got that kind of voice where it just... It cuts through, and you don't need to hear through the monitor stator voice. Yeah. Which is great. Nice. Nice. So, yeah. So, we're going to end with Blue from Royal Thunder 2012. Um like I said, you know, if you uh, have thoughts as patrons, you know, you can obviously leave them and, and enter uh, a good conversation on what some of your guys' favorite are records from the 2010s that you guys think hold up. You can kind of post them in the, the special uh, Facebook page that I've created for the patrons, um, the Mighty Raven Dusk Warriors page. Um, it's fun when people post things there, you know. Um, I, I'd love it to be more active, but that's partially on, like, me. I don't, I don't, I don't poke the bear. I'm trying, you know. Yeah. I barely have time to do, like, the daily countdown, which I do, like, three times a week, maybe four times a week, which is fine. I, I have to find kind of those balances. And it kind of ebbs and flows, too. But um, And it's, it's great to just to get comments through, like, we got from, you know, the patron at the beginning. Yeah, so that's fun. That's just fun. through emails, and, like, it doesn't have to be a... A huge active community, like we know, people are still listening, which is sure. Which is I know great. some patron communities like kind of just take on a life of their own, and you know, I think most of you guys, I think most of the people that are probably are big supporters of us are people that are probably like minded, our age, that are like 
not trying to, you know, grab a lot of attention, like latest, greatest, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're just kind of like, you appreciate what we're doing for us. Yeah, a couple there's an art, artistic sort of side to it, but yeah. I think we're more like sullen, you know, kind of like a, sullen and this isn't, the it's not something that we're trying, like, it's not what we need to live on. Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah, we may be different about yeah. it, but I, I yeah, think we, that loses a little bit of, it depends on, you know, the show, of course, but sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If this was based on us, having to make money we would make different decisions probably in what we covered yes and we would probably <laughs> you know force ourselves to get together a little bit more or well there'd be know, more lists there'd be more of like, well, you know, relevant we end up probably being doing a lot more skype stuff because like, yeah. the geography is why you know sometimes we can't like do this but like maybe once a month or once you know that kind of thing um just because of the logistics of having to drive and you know different schedules and stuff like that but um but we've never done a skype show with between us, yeah. So why why start now? Yeah. Yep. So we've uh, we've had a good a good run with that. So <laughs> let's keep keep the tradition. But yeah, certainly there were other records that we you know could have talked about uh, for sure. I mean, both of us kind of talk. We're talking about you know Morbus Cron and you know we mentioned well in tribulation, but we talked about them. We did yeah. Whole episodes, there's some so. there's some real obvious ones, but we were yeah. just trying to like pick out a couple bands that either we haven't talked much about or like Paradise Lost. When we did that whole retrospective on Paradise Lost, I think Medusa hadn't come out yet. So, like, we didn't really get to include that record in that three-part Paradise Lost that we did. Yeah, I don't even remember. When yeah, I'm pretty when sure we, we ended with the the Plague Within or Plague. Is that what it is? Plague Within? What's the name of that? The, the 2015. Yeah, that's the album. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. I always second guess. There's so many, like, death metal albums that have the plague <laughs> of some sort in there. I'm like, am I just saying something else? But cool. All right. Well, patrons, uh, you already know where to find us because you're already patrons. But, uh, you know, feel free if you want to send us a message or, like I said, leave some stuff on the patron message board. If you don't have uh, – if you're not on the patron message board, uh, contact me through Facebook, Mark and Jason, and I'll get you signed up for that. I know not everybody uses Facebook, which is totally understandable. But if you're there, yeah, you want to be do. part of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm only, I think, for now, they're going to start using it primarily just for podcast promotion stuff. I, I have just, I just have Messenger on my phone. Everything yeah. else is gone. There you go. But uh, So enjoy Blue from Royal Thunder, and hopefully you enjoyed another journey into Patreon minds of Mark and Jason. <laughs>